0: Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of the directed video. Join us on our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. (laughs) a 1991 movie Rewind. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man are two rebellious troublemakers and lifelong friends. When they learn that their favorite bar is being forced to close down unless they come up with 2.5 million dollars, they gather up a crew to rob the bank that wants to take over the property. Things don't go as planned and they uncover a massive drug operation that puts giant targets on their backs. Screenplay by Don Michael Paul, directed by Simon Winsor, and released on August 23rd, 1991. Have you seen this movie
1: before? No. It no.
0: seems like, from what you tell me about your upbringing and the action movies no, that I'm your family like, watched. Yeah, I'm really
1: <laughs> surprised, because while watching this movie, I was like, this is a movie my dad would like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he watched it when I wasn't around, but it just it reminds me of all the movies that he watched when I was around
0: <laughs> yeah I, I've heard of it never had any interest in it but I honestly didn't know it was a uh I was thinking about calling it a quasi-futuristic action movie just because it takes place five years in the future in the year 1996 mm-hmm. uh I honestly thought it was more like a like a western like a more traditional like a dramatic piece about like the people who were used to represent those advertising characters you know
1: oh yeah all the like you know product placement yeah the people who
0: were the people i don't know the people who were the models for the marlboro man like a fictionalized story of like their relationships and
1: don johnson kind of looks like the model for like the marble marble man like on the pack of cigarettes or something just by the way he dresses
0: that's supposedly the idea i don't think there's ever been a characterization of harley davidson i think that was a person right um so i don't think they were like Made a cartoon version of him, or a mascot, or you know, even a like model version of the him. The woman
1: who plays Virginia Slim is she the mo- the female model for that cigarette company? <laughs>
0: no, I, I think she's just a you know a random. Just like person. a name. So yeah, I mean that's one of the <laughs> things that most of the characters in this have names that relate to other uh, drugs and alcohol, basically.
1: Yeah, because yeah. you got Jose Cuervo and Jack Daniels.
0: And that's about it. There's Jimmy yeah. Giles? Yeah. I and I don't know if that's that. supposed to be re- referencing a specific product that I'm just not aware of, that I maybe no was idea. discontinued, but he's the only one in the group that isn't really part of that whole thing.
1: And, yeah, I mean, before... What did we watch this on? We watched this on... HBO. HBO. Yeah, right beforehand... There was even a a disclaimer saying none of these names have anything to do with the products or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Now I don't know if that was supposed to be like a funny thing or like, just like a yeah, cover your ass was, type of a disclaimer. thing there was something that was, something
1: that was when if they sh- when they sh- showed this in the theaters, like was that before the movie started?
0: I would assume yes. Okay. it looked like it had like the proper film grain and everything behind it, so I'm pretty sure it was part of it. I mean, yeah, maybe because of people like me who had the perception of what it was. Um, but I mean, if you saw the trailer, which you, you would know it was like basically a straight-up action movie. Yeah. And these are just really code names for these.
1: Yeah, for these guys. Because, I mean, the Marlboro Man, his name is Rob... Mm-hmm. Robert, or Robert
0: Lee Marlboro, Man Edison
1: Anderson, yeah, but we don't.
0: The rest of my everyone think ever else their real names,
1: they just go by their code names.
0: Yeah, except for the bad guys. Um, I really don't understand why it's set in nineteen ninety six. What does that really serve?
1: I really wanted to know that too, and I was I was like why is this five years like that yeah we were talking about this like a couple weeks ago with Bill and Ted Mm -hmm. like how I liked how it's way in the future instead of like you know how this is like only five years later yeah and it's like nothing really changed except for maybe like people dressing like they're in the Matrix (laughs) <laughs> and then this drug.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think you're kind of hitting on a major thing that I could think of is the fact that they needed to have this new drug that wasn't in actual society yet. This thing called Crystal Dream, which is basically but just like. It doesn't
1: seem like the world. Um, but yeah, the world like. it wasn't dystopian different. or anything like that. That's not, yeah.
0: Which honestly, I think is good and appropriate because i mean think about it when things move five years ahead very little changes in terms of infrastructure and you know it's not like blade runner happens, it's yeah, not like I, the guess so. happens. I guess
1: when i think future i want to see actual like future i don't know yeah i mean not if like
0: it was something set in like the year five years 2020 in yeah. 1991 then or let's say like, like their Back idea
1: to the Yeah, like, their idea of what 2020 would look like, and it's, like, something so over-the-top insane.
0: Yeah, so here in 1996, clearly, like, nothing has really changed in terms of cities. You don't always have to have flying cars, you don't have futuristic fashion, really, except for, you know, we'll get into the Matrix (laughs) inspirations later, I guess. Um, But you have, yeah, the the new drug, and you get an excuse to make a joke at Die Hard's expense by having Die Hardest 5 as a billboard. Yeah,
1: what... That was... the funniest joke to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, this you could argue that this movie influenced some good pop culture. I mean, you know, the Matrix stuff. Yeah. Those are very clearly similar to the Matrix overcoats with, like, the very shiny leather... And they're you know Yeah, like,
1: all the way down to like your ankle type coats. And they
0: have the same kind of flare out in the bottom and everything and, too. Yeah, and, and all
1: all of them just walk in unison mm-hmm. with the slick back hair and everything.
0: And so it, it seems and also there's a scene where like a helicopter shoots out a building at the end, which is also yeah. something that happened in the Matrix. So Yeah, so did maybe the Witchhouse sees
1: <laughs> were they um
0: They're older than us, so they would have probably
1: you know, I'm just wondering. Were they? Yeah, did they use this as a reference or something? Maybe
0: unintentionally so. <laughs> and maybe Breaking Bad saw Gus Frang open the bag and find crystal dream, which looks like blue meth, and got some inspiration mm-hmm. there for Breaking Bad. Um, because yeah, John Gian- Carlo Esposito plays Jimmy Giles in this. So, I don't know. I don't know. The rest of the movie's bad. I I feel like this is a movie. If I would have watched it back in the nineteen nineties, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, Yeah. because it is you know just goofy, mindless action. There's a couple of like like, clips in there. Some
1: like it starts off with like nudity.
0: Yeah, you got the nudity aspect, which you know would apply. You know, help with the (laughs) prepubescent appeal. Um. So. I, I would have liked I think it would've been more fun when you don't have the critical eye of film school kind of tainting everything. But as an adult, all I can really see is like the lackluster relationships between the two leads. And I I, I, I think that the action sequence are good. I think that what they do at the action sequence, the shootings, and, like, the, the fast bike chases across the streets and inside, like, small locations. like the yeah, mall that mall and was stuff, really that's good. That's really good. The,
1: the bike, ch- that one bike chase with Don Marlboro Johnson. Marlboro Man. Yeah, Marlboro and Man and Virginia Slim.
0: The introduction to her character. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're zooming through, you know, residential yeah. areas and going through, like, an outdoor mall and stuff like that. And
1: doing a the motorcycle chase. Ending up at a house, which turns out to be his house? Her house. Oh, her house. Her house. But then where's her fiancé? Not there yet. Not there at the time. But then Harley Davidson was also there, because he woke up to make breakfast.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how he knew for sure that that's where... Marlboro was going
1: that's why I thought
0: but probably just because of history because they all knew each other all three of them knew each other
1: but how How did Harley know he probably
0: just assumed that that's where he was going to go took a guess or something uh, okay. and then maybe he saw his bike out front I don't know
1: okay because th- yeah they
0: don't explain that But yeah, I thought they,
1: it was yeah. his house
0: no it, she says you cannot come back here again basically
1: okay yeah
0: I don't think Marlboro Man has a house. That's I think what that's I like, was like. Like, these are both drifters.
1: I was at their house, but I don't know.
0: They're both basically like drifter loners in a sense, but they're loners together. Um, and then they have this bar that they frequent and, you know, have complicated relationships with the, the owners and, and the, the people workers there. and everything like that, too. But it's not so complicated that you can't explain it in two seconds and be done with it you know, you have this fight scene between Harley and Jack Daniels played by John Minton, former WWF wrestler, actually I think he was still a wrestler at this time Big John Stud and um, because evidently Harley had slept with Jack Daniels' wife at some point Lulu Daniels played by Vanessa Williams who we only see singing and has no role other than just to be another bit of eye candy in the movie
1: and just her, um, kind of bossing Jack Daniels around.
0: Oh yeah, I guess she does have a couple lines of dialogue basically saying don't get involved with this stuff or something.
1: Yeah, or she's like, are we ready to go? Yeah. Type of thing.
0: Something very simplistic, and she doesn't factor into the actual plot at all, other than to show a little bit of tension between Jack and Harley, which leads to a fight, and then, you know, they, he gets thrown out the window and onto the top of a car, and then... Bygones be bygones. Yeah, head.
1: yeah. And I uh, I guess fast-forwarding to the end of the movie, what happened to Lulu? I don't know. We don't know. That everyone... Okay, so... The whole ending... Okay, also there, fast There's like 30 forth.
0: endings in this movie for yeah. one. But yeah, the actual ending ending where credits happen, there's so much unresolved stuff.
1: Because... Everyone works together to try to get all this money for the drugs, blah, 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 Everyone is killed. All their friends are killed, besides Harley and the Marble Man. And then that's when I was like, where is Lulu? Because she was always, like, sort of attached to Jack Daniels. Like, yeah, wherever and saying, he like, was, don't she do was. This.
0: And also he was telling Jack... But he
1: did do it, and then he died. Like, yeah, so, where- like-
0: why not have that scene of confrontation from Lulu going to Harley and like, you killed my husband. type? Yeah. Of Nothing like that is in here. There's like no depth to the characterization. Um, I also really didn't understand. Okay. So the, the main thing is, okay. The, uh, the least, the least we'll talk about in a second. I want to talk about like the, the main thing with like the bank, the bank is running a drug operation because Tom Sizemore plays this guy Chance Wilder who is heading up the bank but also on the side using the bank to do this multi-million dollar drug operation using bank vehicles and resources. When they do the heist they discover the drugs instead of the money that they expected to find and that it's like uh uh-oh. At some point they kill all the heavies Mm-hmm. And then they go back to the bank, so that they can get Sizemore to update the lease for the property. But everyone's <laughs> dead, including the owner of the property. So who's gonna take over this bar?
1: Because I mean, and Are also they're—they're they're not even gonna stay there because no. they just go off their. Their plan ways. is to
0: leave town anyway. Yeah, like they could have brought Lulu back for that. And be like, okay, Lulu's gonna take over the bar if she wants to, or yeah, something. Yeah, because
1: she's like the only
0: the survivor. That's yeah, she is the alive. only one. Well, Virginia, but she's a cop. She does, She has no interest in running the bar. Yeah. So, like, why even go back to the bank at all, except to set up this very, very loose premise to have the the shootout with the helicopter and everything at the end. It's the only reason is to like, and also have another diehard reference with the bad green screen and the bad guy hanging over the ledge of a high rise. (laughs) Falling
1: to his death.
0: So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that just does not make sense in this movie. Uh, The lease also does not make sense. All right. So this bar has been operating at $350 a month for 30 years. I wrote it down. And now that that 30 year lease is up, the bank wants them to pay two point five million dollars for the next five years.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. So wait, you I, did the math for three hundred and fifty dollars a month times Well, I five. didn't even really <laughs> have
0: to do the math. Like three three fifty a month in nineteen ninety one dollars seems like a pretty damn good deal for yeah. a bar, but nineteen sixty one to lock in at that high price at 1961 mm-hmm. dollars seems like a terrible business decision but if he was able to overcome that well, this is
1: 1996 so 1966 there you go
0: 1966 to, oh, okay makes little world of difference <laughs> i don't uh, know maybe that's probably why they said it in the future is like get rid of some you know civil rights stuff timeline <laughs> i don't want to give the movie that much credit but who knows um but you know to lock in at that high rate seems like a mistake perhaps but if he's able to overcome that, why isn't he saving some of that money? So he could just retire at the end of the 30 years. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of stuff that seems weird to me. Um, whatever, he's dead now. Old Man. That, that's the guy who runs the bar. Very creative names all around in this movie. <laughs> Old Man is the owner of the bar. And, like, Honestly, the only like creative name in this is uh, Chance Wilder. I don't know why the bank guy. Yeah, I don't know why the bank guy gets like a unique name, but whatever. Lulu Daniels, I guess maybe. It's it's a weird movie, but it's not meant to make a whole lot of sense. I don't think it's supposed to be you know intricate and nuanced. You know, even like something like Die Hard, where that's. On the surface, Die Hard is not meant to be, I don't know. It doesn't look like it would be a deep movie, but you can kind of like find it if you look for it. And there's like, you know, structure and layers behind the surface of this. This is really just, you get what you get. What you see is what you get. And mostly what you get is terrible dialogue. Like, it's better to be dead and cool than alive (laughs) and uncool repeated 30 times in the movie
1: <laughs> right, and then there's Via con Dios which was that a 1991 thing
0: I don't know I mean maybe it was just like the idea of like movies that take place in the LA region trying to integrate Spanish language a bit more and be more inclusive but with like,
1: that. I know we're gonna see this movie and I haven't seen it in a long time but didn't they say that in Point Break
0: I don't know I haven't seen it
1: oh I feel like that was also a catchphrase or something maybe
0: I mean this movie does (laughs) borrow from other movies obviously they wouldn't have been able to borrow from Point Break but they do borrow from other movies and other movies may have borrowed from this like The Matrix I think um, yeah another one again very standard dialogue like when everyone's dead Harley basically has no remorse at all and he's basically like I didn't force anybody to do anything they knew the risks going in Again, the most simplistic dialogue you can imagine, for the most part. And I'll say that Harley and, and Marlboro do not have good on-screen, on-screen chemistry together.
1: I mean, from what I read, it's... Because, I mean, later on I'm going to be talking about Mickey Rourke. And I just read so many articles on him. <laughs> but yeah. he said that... <laughs> um Well, uh, like, basically, he did this movie just to get a paycheck. Like, he just didn't really want to do it, but he just did it to get paid. And then, basically, after this, he was, like, gonna go back into his boxing career. Yeah. And then, the only thing good about this movie, he said he paid tribute to Don Johnson. He said that him and Don Johnson became, like, good friends because of this movie. And he's, like... He really hated the director huh. and how the film was going, and he thought Don Johnson was just a very good actor, and he was very impressed by his acting, and and it, the experience with him, like, made it better or something. <laughs>
0: I mean, I can but, believe that. I mean, uh, your your job is usually only as good as the people you work with, and that mm-hmm. goes, like, with any career, so, I mean... Yeah, I can understand that perspective that his main co-worker made this a much more enjoyable process. I didn't see any of that on screen. Even the good acting part, I didn't see good acting from either one of them. It seemed like they were just talking to to each other in a vacuum. And then, you know, like one person says their lines and then way too much time elapses. And then the other person responds to the line... And they're not playing off of each other. They're just basically reading lines in a vacuum to each other. That's what I got from it. I didn't understand from the dialogue and the script why they became friends in the first place or why they're staying friends. They both were just very dull characters. They had, like, no enthusiasm. Especially Harley.
1: hmm
0: I don't know. Mickey Rourke just seemed like he was bored the whole time. I'll take your silence as you don't agree.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just f- from reading these articles, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he, he was probably just like phoning it in, like, yeah, I'm just doing this to get paid, I don't Yeah. give a shit.
0: It shows. I'm trying to think, I mean, the the best actors in the movie, I think, are John Minton as Jack Daniels. I liked his character. I like what he brought to that role as, like, the, um, you know, the big oaf who really, you know, he has the soft side, which is pretty expected, but, yeah, you know, he's like, oh, don't tell my wife I'm doing this. Um, but I think he played that well. And honestly, like Giancarlo Esposito always brings a level of enthusiasm to his roles. Pretty similar high energy as what we saw in Night on Earth. Yeah. So that might have just been his thing at the time. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, I really haven't seen him in other movies. I guess. Well, like. Well, he's yeah. He's more
0: of like a chameleonish actor, where you know, you in until he hit like Breaking Bad. I never really noticed him. He was just like one of those character actors. Yeah. And now that he's had this breakout role when you go back and see stuff that he's in he's like oh yeah
1: he's like very silly i guess and then seeing him in breaking bad is this very serious character it's right just, oh interesting i guess I don't know. Yeah. much like different than yo-yo
0: <laughs> or jimmy giles um, and I
1: haven't seen him, like, I know he's in, I know I've seen, like, Do the Right Thing and stuff, but I don't remember who he was. Yeah, in he's in, movies. like,
0: smaller roles in those okay. types of things, yeah. I forget if he's in Jungle Fever. I honestly didn't write down his credits because we talked about his his stuff history and when other. we talked about Night on Earth. Um, But I forget if he's on Jungle Fever as well, but, yeah. He's
1: um, only in these two movies, okay, Night this. on Earth and Harley
0: That's what I kind of thought, but I mean, those two are good, but it's a it's a big cast, like it it's full of names that you would recognize for the most part. You know, you got Mickey Rourke. It's
1: like so random, like Vanessa Williams. I was like, what? And then you all of a sudden Tia Carrere. Right. What's going on?
0: I mean, okay. I can assume that maybe Vanessa Williams wanted to do that to help showcase her singing career a bit more. I yeah, mean, this was like when she was really blowing up.
1: Yeah, this is musically. Like, yeah, and she sang the songs that were on her album that were that came out like at that same time.
0: So I think that might have just been why sage, she took the, so. the role, yeah. or why it might have been offered to her Tia Carrera, career. This is before Wayne's World. Yeah, Wayne's World. World right? so. Um, so she hadn't had her major breakout yet. Uh, and again, she's basically, like, her character, she's basically the, um, assistant to Tom Sizemore's bank yeah, guy. Yeah. No purpose for her other than to be eye candy. Right. And to be ogled. So, I mean,
1: not that, I mean,
0: that, whatever.
1: It's fine. She just kind of, yeah, I mean, she didn't have many lines and she just kind of stood there. Yeah. Which, I mean, She's fine. there to be
0: sexualized. yeah. And it's just, it's, this is a manly man movie. Yeah, so so we need to see some hot
1: girls in it.
0: Which happened like immediately, right? Like it's like nudity in the first two minutes. And then again in minute like five.
1: Yeah, when they go to the bar and (laughs) there's like a stripper on stage. Yeah,
0: both characters are introduced by topless women
1: yeah they don't even have a name. They're just like no. the woman, and then yeah. like at the Mitzi Martin as the woman <laughs> <Yeah>. and then <laughs> you get it. and then at the very end, when Harley picks up a a female hitchhiker, so it's just like another nameless woman. I think, okay. Is she the woman? How There's like three the No, women. no, because
0: there's, there's another person on the crest that's listed as the hitchhiker.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: but I think, you know, there's a couple times where he shows a picture
1: uh, of
0: him with a woman. Yeah. Basically indicating the one that got away. Hmm. The hitchhiker, to me, maybe I'm just, I don't know.
1: Oh, is the woman in that picture? I
0: think. Oh. I think the hitchhiker is the same woman as that picture. I don't know for sure, because, I mean, some, some of these generic actresses look alike to me sometimes but um oh <laughs> it's true and then uh i don't know yeah but i mean it could have been like one of those things where oh you're supposed to realize that this is the thing and there's like some sort of subplot that you know they found each other again and whatever and, and it just was not really explained well oh <sighs>
1: <laughs> All right, so I don't know, like I don't even know what to do with the, like this movie, cause then we also have um Daniel Baldwin, and yeah, then I can't um, believe we haven't
0: mentioned it by name yet.
1: He's the lead bad guy. He's the lead bad guy with and a gun. It was when they first showed the bar scene; he was there. Was he? Cause I was like, is that Daniel Baldwin?
0: You mean like the back room? Like uh, he arm, was like in the background. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. I'll have to look when I look at screenshots.
1: Oh, uh, no. He was there. Because the, I was like, is that a Baldwin? <laughs> <laughs> I said that to myself.
0: <laughs> it could have been a generic, uh, you know.
1: Like, a, was it another It could have been like the brother? hitchhiker
0: girl in the picture scenario. Like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't.
1: No, because like when they were fighting and stuff, he was like in the background. I don't know. Maybe
0: that, maybe that is intentional. Maybe it's supposed to be an Easter egg sort of like. Indicating that either the drug presence is there and he's helping to, yeah, like infiltrate they're... the bar with the drugs, yeah, or you know like because people, he has like the vested interest a in deal. the bar itself and they're trying to take over the property. There's reasons for him to be there that you can make sense, but they never mention it. They never say a word about it. So
1: right, well, because they didn't know who they were at that time.
0: We, the audience, didn't. So, but I mean, they
1: didn't know who they... But
0: they, I'm just saying, like, they could have had a line of dialogue where Daniel Baldwin at some point says, you know, I've been, like, watching you a long time or something like that. They or, didn't, but they don't. They,
1: all they did was, like, shoot at each other and try to kill each other. That's that's what I'm saying. There, so if yeah, it there was, was intentional dialogue. and
0: was in the background, they should have explained it. Mm. Instead, yeah.
1: Yeah, so this... He just shoots guns. Yeah, the bars... Needs money and they try it. It's so you know all the guys, all the friends from the bar is like, okay, let's hijack a what is it? Just like a van. security truck. Yeah, a van yeah, a or truck. yeah, a van or yeah, a security truck that like a brings truck the, type of a thing. that has the money in the back for 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 the bank or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it's like they're going or coming from the bank. I forgot. I'm not sure either. And you know they shoot up this van. Like I don't even. Oh, you haven't seen this movie. So <laughs> I was gonna reference another movie. Oh no. But um.
0: Like the Matrix. No. Right.
1: And. So they shoot up the van, take it up... take over the van, and they open it. Expecting millions of dollars, but instead they see this drug, and they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, but then they get into this whole thing because the guys that they shoot up or kind of hold hostage or whatever, like, well, whoever. Like, you're going to hear from whoever these drugs are for, so we don't give a shit kind of thing. They're like, you're going to get in bigger trouble than you already are. Yeah. So, the, I don't the, give the, These right are now. The, the
0: truck drivers who are saying this. By yeah, the way, the truck that's, drivers. that's another character I really liked.
1: The truck driver guy. The guys. truck driver guy, yeah. Because okay. he's
0: like, do you think two-bit criminals would have done this type of thing? He's like, yeah. Because a real criminal would have just like, you know, uh, I forget yeah. what the line was. I don't know. Like he was like goofy, fun playing the character. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Jack Daniels, <laughs> Jimmy Giles, and truck driver. Those are the truck three good characters. Yes. Yeah, but so yeah, they, they set off an alarm inside the truck, and then these five guys show the up.
1: That's when the Danny Daniel Baldwin and his Matrix crew come by. And um. But then, okay. So then they go back to the bar, and that's when the bar gets like all shot up, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. They think they got away with it. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what's going on with this this drug, well, and they understand it's crystal dream, and they do a little bit of research or whatever. After that's the
1: when they um, that's when the whole thing with the uh, marble man and Virginia, they do their cool chase scene throughout the town and the mall, whatever. And we find out that they were ex-lovers. They still have feelings for each other. But, you know, the Marlboro man is like a drifter and he's never around. She's like, I need someone around. And by the way, I'm engaged. Yeah. So you can't come back and But they have breakfast together like the next morning. And that's when she tells him all about how Crystal Dream is 100% addictive. Like, I was tells, like...
0: Yeah, it tells Harley that. Yeah. Oh, Harley then. <laughs> for some reason, yeah, he lets Marlboro Man sleep in or something, and they oh, go... Some, oh,
1: yeah, Harley takes Virginia to breakfast. They go to a yeah.
0: diner or whatever.
1: While he's sleeping in her house. Yeah, yeah she Yeah, it's
0: explained 100% it. addictive. I
1: mean, this just made me laugh with the way she was like, don't take it. It's was something like, I'm like, isn't, like, all drugs... Well, I don't know. I
0: don't know. I don't think so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, something like <laughs> no, one in seven really. people who die, like, take it, die, or something Cause like Because it that. causes,
1: like, neurological damage and then death.
0: We don't get to see its effects in the Yeah,
1: movie. which I would have Yeah, wanted. if you're going to
0: go with an R-rated movie, just do it.
1: Show someone shooting Show up it. and... Yeah.
0: Show the danger. Show the
1: cause in action.
0: Instead, all we and see is like a brief shot of blue plastic. And you're like, oh, man, that's dangerous. So,
1: yeah, then they kind of, I don't know, they demand $2.5 million in exchange for the drugs to, you know, Daniel Baldwin and his people. But, you know, Daniel Baldwin and his people, their boss is Chance Wilder, who's, you know, the bank guy. Yeah. So he's got to answer to them, or him, and you know there's like a whole thing. We need two point five million dollars. They do the money exchange, and they want one extra dollar just be- mm-hmm. for a bet, and it's like a dollar coin. It's like a silver
0: dollar, yeah.
1: And then. But they, otherwise, the exchange goes by no problem. Yeah, and yeah. they think, oh, okay, we're done here. But that's when they have the shootout. Yeah,
0: right after. Because, yeah, they come to the bar. They start talking about how, yeah, this is great. We're going to use their money to pay them
1: the mm-hmm. lease.
0: And this is this is fantastic. Everything worked out. Gee golly, good swell. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, like, the Matrix guys just come out and shoot up the whole thing. And everyone dies except for Harley and Marlboro Man. They're yeah, able to and they escape.
1: kind of escape. But then, you know, Marlboro Man has, like, a change of heart. And is like, we got to go back. To revenge our friend's deaths Or whatever
0: Yeah, it doesn't happen They they escape to Vegas instead Um, And around that time Like when they're in Vegas That's when they realize that that silver dollar Has a tracker inside Mm -hmm. And that's how they're able to find them in the bar And oh my god, they're in Vegas right now We gotta go Yes Which leads to uh, The Overt reference to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid as a The the oh yeah, when they're on the roof. Yeah. Had you have you seen that movie before, Butch Cassidy?
1: A long time ago. Yeah, it's
0: it's been about twenty years for me as well, but still like basically. i remember
1: is like the ending, basically.
0: Basically, all the dialogue that they say on the roof of this. Oh, is like the exact same. As what they say when they're about to jump off the the ledge of the. Rocks in Butch oh. Cassidy. The only real difference in this is that Harley does not convince Marlboro Man and he jumps alone, whereas in Butch Cassidy, they hold hands and they jump together. Mm. So it's supposed to be like a playoff of that. Eh. <laughs> they jump a lot of floors into a giant yeah, pool
1: Yeah, but. Which probably would also be. That would have killed them, that jump. Mm hmm into that pool, because with, like, the velocity... Like, how... Whatever. I mean, I'm not going to get into physics. <laughs> but they would have landed at the bottom of the pool with, like, that impact and that fall. Oh, yeah. But, uh, whatever. They.
0: <laughs> it's a movie. Yep.
1: Yeah. So they, t- like, they turn off the tracker?
0: Yeah, but keep the somehow? coin? Somehow,
1: yeah, and keep the coin... But then they come up with another plan and they're like, "Okay, let's turn the tracker back on cuz we're ready to kill them." Yeah, And it's... then throughout the entire movie, it's a whole gag that Harley Davidson doesn't know how to like shoot a gun really well. Like he can't.
0: Yeah, cuz he's like not a target. killer or whatever. Yeah, he's
1: like he's more of just like a fist fighter type of guy.
0: There's so many lines that are called back like 30 times it got so annoying it's like yeah just squeeze the trigger just squeeze the trigger like that's not a like it's not a joke man like why do you keep saying it like it's a joke it's not a mm-hmm. joke it's like oh it's better to be dead and cool than alive and uncool squeeze the trigger old boots like ugh. i got oh, sick oh yeah of, I got he, sick of the it. whole thing
1: with his boots oh you knew
0: <laughs> it had to come into play yeah. yeah it does in the top of the building But I I think what really bugs bugs me is like you know Harley is established as a terrible shot, but Marble Man is supposed to be the best crack shot, and they show that when they're robbing the the truck in the beginning. It's like wow, how would you even shoot that well? Like that's a you know says yeah that's even said by
1: the truck drivers yeah. Uh,
0: But yeah, at the same time, they try to shoot up these Matrix guys, and clearly they have bulletproof vests and stuff, which yeah, but they flabbergasted yeah. exists in the year 1996 when it probably existed for 20 years prior.
1: Yeah, that there's bulletproof vests. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. like, aim for the head, because they have no covering
1: on their heads. But, yeah. and But they still continue to shoot at their bodies.
0: Yes. And even when he is a crack shot, and he does actually try to aim for the head when they decide to finally do that,
1: he, he misses a yeah, hell of he, a lot. Yeah, he can't shoot anyone's head no (laughs) but um what a surprise it just gets to the end where all of the matrix guys are dead except for alexander slash danny baldwin and it gets into this whole i don't know kerfuffle between the three of them it's such a
0: long amount of time between like the death of the last unnamed goon Yeah. and seeing Daniel Baldwin again
1: yeah they try to trick him in a, like a very dumb way they put the tracker in the um, briefcase like underneath somewhere and you know Danny Baldwin's like are they here like are, <laughs> type of thing
0: yeah they open the briefcase like what the hell they're not inside the briefcase they give that type of reaction yeah like, like, what what do of course they expect- they're not in <laughs>
1: Was gonna be in there,
0: yeah. Well, they wanted the money, they wanted the money, yeah,
1: there. like money, they, whatever. I don't know, so
0: I guess they assumed that the money would be in there too. But at the same time, I don't know, they knew oh, that the it, tracker was offline for a long time. Then all of a sudden, it comes back online, it's like, No problems here, boys, right. let's go.
1: It just comes down to where Alex Alexander is holding Marlboro man hostage or whatever. And it's up to Harley to shoot him. And that's what the whole just squeeze the trigger thing happens. And
0: then they have, like, in the meantime, they also have, like, a bunch of lines about how it's $2 a bullet. Mm. You know, every shot you miss takes $2. That's $2 a bullet. This is a very expensive firefight we're in and all this kind of stuff. And as he's loading up the gun, he's like, $2, $4, $6... Like I don't you guys have two point five million dollars that you intend to keep
1: Yeah, it's not like two hundred dollars a bullet. It's
0: it's it's meant to be like this funny exchange and callback within this ten minute scene, but it's just it drags everything down. Um, but yeah, Harley's a really bad shot, but he has to do something and stuff happens and you think that the movie would basically be done at that point but no, no but that's they just gotta like kill the second Tom second Sizemore ending. now or... but they did kill yeah and now they have to go back and kill Tom Sizemore so you gotta like wait for like another 10 minutes of scenes to happen before you even get back to the bank
1: right so they bribe Alexander's helicopter pilot to take him to the office where Chance Wilder is at and he's like in a business meeting with Japanese like with a Japanese company or something
0: yeah I don't know if we've been keeping count of the number of movies we've had with anti-Japanese business sentiments yeah but there's a lot oh in yeah 1991 other people's money Suburban Commando this one there's been like a couple uh, throwaway lines and a couple other movies too even
1: in Solo Solo Kuntup- yeah, yeah I
0: think so yeah with the uh the People that they have to give tour they, to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a recurring theme, sort of like overcrowded hospitals. Mm. But yeah, he's on he's on the phone with these.
1: And then Tia Carrera is just standing in a corner watching. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when they give him like they give him the money back, but they they want that's when they do the lease-to-the-bar thing. And he's, like, unwilling to do that. So, like, he has his men try to kill... Like, Chance Wilder has his men try to kill, you know, Harley and Marlboro. But then that's when the uh, helicopter comes up to whatever floor he's on. Like, the 50th floor. I don't know. And starts shooting... Well, he he does this funny thing where he... He's, like, through the window telling Harley and Marlboro to, like, get down, down, and they see him, and he shoots up the place, and everyone, like, all the goons or whatever in the background get shot at, but, like, Chance doesn't get shot at at all.
0: No, because you have to have the scene where he, like, grabs the boot as he's falling off the building, and it finally falls apart. He dies.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Marvel Man has these like old ass looking boots that he, like, every few scenes, and Harley's like, why do you even have those boots if they keep falling apart? Because you just see Don Johnson, right, like, always using like masking tape or duct tape to tape them back up all the time.
0: And the response is always. I don't want. I don't want to talk about my boots. I don't want to yeah, hear no guff like, about my boots. Until
1: one heart to heart, they have,
0: which I honestly was not paying attention to, so I don't even remember what the actual reason was. Oh, I they were his father's
1: because his father is that all it was. Yeah,
0: God, I knew that like from the freaking start. I thought it was more than that. All right,
1: <laughs> <sighs> they were his father's boots, and you know. His father died somehow. I don't even know. Because even Chance Wilder made fun of his father. Yeah. He was like, you want to die like your father? It's like, how did he know?
0: This feels like it's, it's meant to be like a multi-part series that just got smushed into nothingness. I don't know. Anyway, they're on with their own lives again. is going to be a rodeo person again. Because he was and then he stopped being one. Which I thought was part of the boot story, but I guess not.
1: Well, unless his father was a radio guy and was like, hey, here.
0: But like he died me. in the rodeo and like, I don't know. By, I don't, whatever. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: care. I really don't care anymore. <laughs> 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 I didn't wow. care while it was happening. I'm like, I'm sick of the boots. I'm sick of the boots. I do not care about the story of the boots. And then Harley just went off with this hitchhiker as he's leaving the uh, yeah rodeo and the end. Missed opportunities in this one It's I, I'd say I, I, If I were to see In that way I'd sort of compare it to V.I. Warshawski Because there is a potential For a good story here There's a potential for a good movie here
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm Much more Disappointed that V.I. Warshawski Did not realize it's potential This can easily just be a Throwaway action movie and I'm good with that yeah. Even though it looks like it wanted to be something more where they're using these characters and, you know, these different products to build a team and um you know, create some sort of weird little action heist series. But I, I don't know if that was ever in the plans, but I don't know. It was a lot different than what I expected because it was not like a high end drama of, you know, just relationships and characters. It was a straight up action movie. Uh, let's quickly talk about awards. So this was kind of a bomb. It had a twenty three million dollar budget. It made seven point five. So not as big of a bomb as company business, but right. still not, not a success at all. And on the awards front it was nominated for the Stinkers Bad Movie Award for worst film. But nothing but trouble was the
1: winner uh, of well, that. Yeah, that movie is horrible <laughs> i mean i would watch this movie over that. i know we're gonna have to watch that movie at some, point. at
0: some point at some point it may come up yes um simon windsor the director he's an emmy winner for lonesome dove the 1989 version of that uh, he's done movies like harlequin daryl free Willy*, operation dumbo drop the phantom and tons of tv including young indiana jones so obviously he has a very good relationship with the disney folks Don Michael Paul, the writer, we will appear in the 1991 movie Rich Girl as an actor. He's written things like Silk Stockings, uh, Half Past Dead, Who's Your Caddy, Death Race 4, Bulletproof 2, Tremors, Shrieker Island, so all kinds of like sequels to not great movies to begin with. Uh, Mickey Rourke, will talk about him a bunch pretty soon. This is his only 1991 movie, but uh, he is Oscar nominated for The Wrestler also had a Spirit Awards and Golden Globe win for that role, also Spirit nominated for Barfly, MTV nomination for Best Villain in Iron Man 2, and Razzie nominations for Desperate Hours and Wild Orchid. So Don Johnson, Emmy nominated and Golden Globe winner for Miami Vice. He's also been in things like A Boy and His Dog, Nash Bridges, Machete. Django Unchained and Knives Out most recently, and he also had a brief music career as well with a hit called Heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Field is Virginia Slim. She'll be in the 1991 movie Last Boy Scout. She is most notably Tila in the He-Man movie from the 1980s. Okay, so. Um, she's been in several other things. We can talk about her later. Daniel Baldwin He's going to be in a couple more 1991 movies, including Nothing But Trouble. Uh, Vanessa Williams is Lu- Lulu Daniels, Emmy-nominated three times for her role in Ugly Betty, Grammy-nominee 11 times but no wins, MTV Music nomination for Best Female Video for Save the Best for Last, 1991 song. Uh, she's also done, you know, like, Another You in 1991. She's been in such movies as Soul... Uh, Soul Food, I'm sorry, uh, Light it Up, Shaft, Desperate Housewives, TV Show, Eraser... And obviously, it was the 1984 Miss America. Everyone knows that, I think, by now. Tia Career, we'll see a couple more times in Intimate Stranger and Showdown at Little Tokyo, so we'll talk about her more then. And then, um, yeah, I think that's almost it. Tom Sizemore's in a bunch. We won't talk about him right now. And John Minton, uh, he passed away in 1995 of Hodgkin's disease and liver cancer, but he was a longtime wrestler from the 70s on. He has tag team titles. And Royal Rumble championships again as Big John Studd, and he'll be in a couple more 1991 movies, The Marrying Man and Shock 'Em Dead. So we'll move on to true crime and pop culture.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna talk about Mickey Rourke, and so I, when we were watching Wild Orchid, I told you that I read some things about you know the filming of the first movie.
0: Yeah, the one that he was
1: in. The one that he was since he's in, not he's in into. It. Yeah. And um, I may have told you this, like around the time when we, like when did we? I don't even know <laughs> we did Wild Orchid two like two months ago. So it's been um,
0: a while. yeah, I think that's about right.
1: So. Around the time when that, when we were watching that movie, is when one of my favorite podcasts started up with. A series, uh, you must remember this as the podcast, and the series for this season is all about erotic movies, and it's this, it's 11 part series. It just ended this week with, um, she went through every single year, so it was like 1980 all the way to 89, just mm-hmm. talking about all the erotic movies.
0: Or like the biggest ones. Yeah, the yeah.
1: big ones. And, I mean, this episode didn't come out yet, but she did a whole episode about, like, Mickey Rourke in nine and a half weeks. And then she did talk about Zanman King. So I learned more about Wild Orchid and the filming on that. And then also with Carrie Otis. got Otis, which I'm going to read some stuff, she came out with an autobiography back in 2011 and she talks about their tumultuous relationship and i guess zolman king also had his own autobiography okay on that podcast she she'll play um the audio like the audio from the audiobooks yeah she'll play like a tidbit of their them talking. So I'm assuming it's from their audiobooks. Because I know Carrie Otis has a book. And so for Wild... I don't know. Just The entire series is amazing. And then starting in the fall, she's going to do Erotic 90s. So uh, she'll probably be talking about maybe Wild Orchid 2. I don't know. Maybe. She She talks about Wild Orchid 1. And I learned that... So on you know mickey and carrie they met on the set of that movie filming and it was just like love at first sight and they were kind of inseparable after that and um in carrie otis's book she mentions how like they were just like hot and heavy from the start and then you know the end we didn't we have the VHS of Wild Orchid, and we have the unedited one, the version, yeah. don't we? Yeah. But we didn't watch the unedited one, did right.
0: we? Right. No, we watched the r Yeah. We so have the, the DVD with both Oh, them. the D-
1: Yeah. So the unedited one is, you know, it's the end part where they're having sex. Like, when they finally sleep together. Mm-hmm. But... Karayota says they were actually having sex. That's why I in saw the, in the un- Yeah, there. in the unedited one. And a lot you know, during that time, this is kind of like pre Pam and Tommy where people were trying to sell that or just like take that part and use it like as porn. Okay. And there was like a whole thing about that. And it became, you know, that movie became very popular, like, in Europe and South America. And Zalman King, you know, he didn't, like, do anything about it. He was just like, oh, I'm very popular. And that's why he made Wild Orchid 2. And the reason why he named it Wild Orchid 2 was because Wild Orchid did so well in the other countries. So yeah, he so wanted.
0: Just pure name recognition. Yeah, it was
1: just for naming it. it. Even though they had nothing to do with each other. And he knew that. Okay. So that's. I think we wanted to know why he wanted to name it that, and that's yeah. why.
0: And we we're also kind of curious why I said Blue Movie Blue on this Right, title, which I whatever.
1: didn't learn anything about that. But, I mean, that movie, the second one, didn't do as well as the first one, like in other countries but in i'm just going to like i read like so many articles there is one in the new york post and then the one from the new york times magazine those are the most interesting to me and then i'll we'll put it on the website the one from the New York Times Magazine is just an entire interview with Mickey Rourke right when he just finished doing The Wrestler, and that's when, like, his whole career, like, came up again by being, you know, nominated and mm-hmm. winning, like, a Golden Globe. Did he win that?
0: He won the Golden Globe in the Spirit yeah, of War. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, in Carrie Otis' book, she mentions that, you know, they it was like love at first sight, filming Wild Orchid. And after that, they were just kind of inseparable. But Mickey became very controlling and, you know, she's a model. And um, she wasn't really allowed to do a lot of modeling gigs, especially if they were sort of like tasteful nude modeling And he saw her in a photo or something where she was like mostly naked and he's like no one can see you naked but for me. And he threatened these photographers by hiring thugs to like beat the shit out of these photographers. So that kind of like made her career kind of shitty because no one really wanted to work with her because of him so she was like losing jobs. Yeah. And um, there was another part where she mentions, there was, she was accidentally shot by him and in these articles she never pressed any charges against him. They just had like a very shitty marriage and um, this was during the time, I guess, Well, because this movie is his, quote, last movie, but when he was, he was filming the movie White Sands, which that movie came out in 1992.
0: Yeah, he didn't,
1: he he didn't necessarily necessarily stop,
0: stop. No, no, he never fully stopped.
1: Because I know he's done like really bad movies up until like The Wrestler.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he had done some other stuff like um, Sin City, I think is the other major notable one before The Wrestler. Iron Man 2 was before the rest or I think.
1: I thought that was after. No, yeah,
0: it was probably after, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, it so he was just doing I what you know cuz he I think mentally he I mean he was just like not doing great and he so he was on location to film the movie White Sands and he was frantically calling her saying I need you by my side, I miss you, I love you, blah, 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 like and just controlling her, and she just dropped everything to fly out to go visit him. and then when she visited him, he had like a gun in the house that he was staying at, and she's like, you know, I don't like guns. Can you get rid of it? And he just like threw it in one of her bags without mm. no, without telling her. she didn't okay. know it until she. Like, they got into, like, a little thing, and she kind of threw her bag on a shelf or something, and the gun went off, and it shot her, like, in the armpit. Oh, wow. Like, the safety wasn't on. Yeah. But she never pressed charges. But, I mean, that scared the both of them. But then, this, like... I don't know. This is before they even got married. And then... (laughs) They didn't speak to each other for months until he was like, I miss you. Like, he comes and visited her, visits her somewhere. I forgot where already. Where, um... I think she's just back in L.A. trying to work or something. And he's, like, trying to do his boxing career. So he's, like, in Miami. And he just up and visits her. And um, he f- basically, like, forces her to marry him. He... He finds her after... They weren't speaking for months. And he brings, like, a knife. One of those, like, Japanese katana-type knives. And he's like, marry me or I'm going to kill myself with this thing. Okay. So she's like, okay, I'll marry you. And they get married the next day. And then throughout their marriage, it's just, like, very tumultuous. It's... I don't know. But... I mean, all this, that she, she says, she reveals a lot of this in her book, and I'm really curious. She also talks about her modeling career and how, like, she was treated by, like, certain, like, the director of her modeling. Like, she was part of the elite modeling group and, you know, the owner of that also was like sexually harassing her and then it, it, it she had like a really crappy life it sounds like and now she's like doing better and i'm just really curious to read that book but i mean after when this book came out in 2011 they asked mickey rourke like his side and he just said you know no comment he didn't want to say anything in response to this mm-hmm. but recently he's been kind of vocal when they did the whole johnny depp amber heard trial he was very much on johnny depp's side saying how that their marriage johnny and amber reminds mickey so much of his marriage with carotis so mm-hmm. it sounded as if they were like abusive with each other or something or
0: well, that's how he wants to spin it yeah, yeah.
1: TV there wasn't this was a Friday and it was like during the summer so it was like TGIF was all repeats so there was nothing new or different for that night so I'm just going straight to music and for the bottom five for the Billboard 100 as of August 25th 1991 a lot of these songs we've sort of talked about Okay. So number 100 is Hey Stupid by Alice Cooper. I know we talked about that mm-hmm. before. That was five weeks on the charts and it peaked at 78. And then number 99 is Losing My Religion by R.E.M. That was 21 weeks on the charts. And it peaked at number four. And then I know we talked about this song, but this is the debut of Gerardo's When the Lights Go Out.
0: Okay. (laughs) I think this is the first time we've talked about losing my religion on the podcast. Really? I thought
1: we. I thought we did before. I
0: don't know. I think it's the first one.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, that was was on their 1990 album.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. 91 91 single. 91 single,
1: yeah. Um so num- debut. That yeah. was Gerardo's debut of, of the, the, non-Rico, the non-Rico Suave song. Uh, number 97 is a song called Dirty Love by a band called Thunder. And I have never heard of this song or this band. And this is a UK band that formed in 1989. And this is... Their debut album, where this single came about.
0: Okay, so they had like international appeal. And they so they tried international to bring over here appeal. A year later, and
1: or so this song "Dirty Love" was on the UK charts as well as the US. And their this debut album came out in nineteen ninety, but the single came out this year, in nineteen ninety one and that album reached number 21 in the UK charts and then number 114 in the Billboard to US Billboard 200 hmm. but the single was 13 weeks on the chart and it only peaked at number 55 but these guys just recently came out with an album this year so oh. they're still going okay I've just never heard of them. No. And then number 96 is a song called How Can I Ease the Pain by a singer by the name of Lisa Fisher. And she is mostly known... Did you ever see that movie about the backup singers, the 20 Feet from no. Stardom? No. She was like one of the major women on that documentary so she was a backup singer for Sting, Luther Vandross Tina Turner and the Rolling Stones Mm, Okay. and this is her only album that came out this year and then this song How Can I Ease the Pain won a Grammy for best R&B for a female singer wow so I not I've never even heard of this song. Before. She might have. She won a Grammy.
0: Vanessa Williams.
1: Yeah. Huh. But that song was 20 weeks on the charts and it peaked at number 11. Huh. And that's it. All
0: right. Well, we'll go on to rankings and ratings. Where on your 1 to 5 star scale are you going to put Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man?
1: I mean, okay. (laughs) I'm going to... You're probably going to hate me, but I'm going to give this movie a two.
0: (laughs) Why would I hate you for that? I don't know,
1: because I feel like you really hate this movie.
0: (laughs) I, I hate the missed potential of this movie. That's what I hate about it most. I mean, the dialogue is really bad, and the characters are just not fun to watch. But, like, the action is... You know, the scenario is a good scenario. It's a decent premise. It's just not executed the right way. On my zero to four star scale, I'm going to give it a one and a half, so I'm not that far off from you.
1: Okay. But
0: most of that's because of the action sequences.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I was not really bored.
0: I started to get bored near the end. Like, because I was I more like there was... bored
1: with company yeah i was definitely
0: more bored with company business even though it was a little bit of a faster pace i would say than this was this one i just felt like there were five different endings and i was ready for it to be fully done after number two And they got three more endings after that uh every movie is worth watching once would you watch this again
1: I kind of would if there was, like, a midnight screening of it and there was, like, other people around to sort of make fun of it together. Yeah,
0: that would be fun. I would also, I mean, just like VR Wachowski, I would watch a remake of this. I think it'd be, you know... Like
1: with Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson? <laughs> no,
0: nah, I don't think need to have either of them there. Um, if they really want to have cameos, then fine. But, um, you know, get new cast, better script... I think, you know, it could work. If you out there want to watch this movie, Harley-Davidson and the Marlboro Man, as of this recording in June 2022, it's available on HBO Max, Cinemax, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind. Or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we are wrapping up our buddy month with Marilyn and Me. That's on Tubi, Pluto TV, Freebie, Roku Channel, Digital Rental. We will see you then.